0: You know what? I'm just glad you're here. Thanks for being here today. I'm anxious to get into God's Word. We've been in a series called The Power of a Seed, and we're talking about how God does big things, but they have little beginnings most of the time. The great oak trees come from a little acorn. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, a tiny seed, but when it grows and it reaches fruition, it provides harbor for everything in the universe. So, wh- what I want to get into today. Uh, is a little different part of this. We've talked about uh, the kingdom of God being a seed. We've talked about the law of seed, of sowing and reaping, natural and spiritual. We've talked about the fact that uh, Jesus said, my word is seed, it's alive and powerful, it can change your life. Last week, I went in a little different direction and I used the thought, and we talked about this, what if I saw life as a seed? What if I saw every day of my life planting seed for my future because that's what we're really doing with everyday life we are planting seed for our future and today I want to finish this series and next week we'll go in a different direction pastor Zach will be sharing but I want to talk to you today about this idea of seed what if we saw money as seed what if we saw money as as seed for our future. Um, before I get into this, I am very much aware that as soon as I use the word money, that there are people who say, ooh, don't talk about money in church, this is God's house. Don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear it. I, I know that, and I know what people say about preachers who talk about money. The truth is, every year, year and a half, we'll do a message and talk a little bit about money and our giving because there's so much in the Bible about it. But let me, let me give you a foundation for this today, okay? Because here's what people say about people like me. Some people say, that's all you preachers talk about is money. It's all you talk about. You go to church, all they talk about is money. Well, l- let, me, let me put things in, in context. On the average Sunday morning, we spend one to two minutes talking about our giving. That's an average Sunday morning. And usually we tell you something that we're doing as a church here in the the valley or somewhere in the world because of people's faithful giving. So we spend about one or two minutes every week. And then, like I said, every year, year and a half, we'll do a message about it. But but here's the thing. If you take a 60- or 70-minute service, 70, 75-minute service, if we talk about giving for one or two minutes, that's about 2% of a service time. So that's not all we talk about, it's money. Now, let me, let me give you something to compare it with. How many of you watch TV? One, two, three. You all aren't telling the truth. How many of you watch TV? Okay. I know you do. I know you, you got the news on 12 hours a day, getting your, your opinion on worldview. So I know, I know that. But here's the thing. If you watch television for an hour the average television program in one hour has 17 minutes of commercials you know what that is that's them asking for an offering they're talking about giving buy these products because they're paying our bills so that's that's what they're doing they're talking about you giving money to keep them on television okay that that would be 28% of an hour on television is spent trying to get you to give to something. Well, radio's better. Because in the average radio hour, only 14 minutes of the the time is is invested in commercials, which is only 23% of the hour. Ann and I, a couple weeks ago, went to to a movie. Had a Friday afternoon free, we went to a movie. Uh, I love to watch things blow up. I love to watch the bad guy get killed at the end. I, that's the kind of movie I go to. Action, adventure. Man, it's something to take me out of the everyday mindset of life. That's what I want to see. So we get there. We're just a few minutes early, and there's a big, long line to get the popcorn and the sodas. And how many of you know the popcorn and sodas cost a whole lot more than the movie does? <laughs> so we went to an afternoon matinee. and goes to get our seats, and I'm getting the drinks and so forth, and, and I'm you know, hustling around. It's getting closer. It's time to start. And I'm, you know me, I'm a, I'm a clock guy anyway. And I'm like, oh man, it's time for the movie to start. I'm going to miss it. Ah, the best part of James Bond is the first five minutes. I can't miss this, you know. So I'm trying to hurry, hurry, hurry. And I'm running down the aisle trying to keep from spilling this stuff. I get into the theater and they're still showing previews. 25 minutes of previews trying to get me to come back and watch another movie. They're taking up an offering. And they take 25 minutes to do it. Now, why am I saying that? It's because we need to honestly look at things the way God does. That's why we're doing this series on seed. For example, Jesus talked about money more than any other topic he ever talked about. If you read the Proverbs, the wisest man who lived before Jesus, he mentions money and wealth over 100 years times. So, I want to talk to you today about seeing money as seed, understanding from God's perspective how we can look at our finances, our wealth and turn it into something positive for our future. Now, th- there's there's a mindset out there among some people that says, well, money's bad, wealth is bad, riches are bad. Bible says that money's the root of all kinds of evil. That's not true. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. People will do all kinds of things for money, even wrong things, evil things. 1 Timothy 6.10 talks about that. When we were in Africa back in the early part of September, you know, we showed you some video a few weeks ago that showed some of what happened. We, the Bridge Church, we, we built a church in a little village called Godo. And there's some great testimonies coming out of that village of what God is doing in that church. We as a church sowed seed, financial seed, into a community's future. And there's some cool things happening. We we shared some of that. But I I got some of is Isn't that right, Harrison? Good stuff's happening there. And here's the cool part. This week we got word. There was a little boy who came to the dedication service at the church in Godo Village. And... You know we we built the church kind of on the edge of the village and there are people now moving out to that area and building their homes close to the church we told you this the witch doctor already sold out and left town because he doesn't want to be around us so good stuff's happening but this little boy came and there were several kids there that day and they played a game and I don't know for sure who brought it but somebody brought a pinata how many of you know Africa is not used to pinata celebrations okay that's more of a southern u.s central america thing somebody brought a pinata and they had it filled with toys and candy and stuff and you watch these kids for the first time in their life probably hitting this pinata while they're blindfolded well it was starting to come apart and this one little kid came up and he's on a crutch his foot his ankle his legs all messed up he's on a crutch he's crippled It's obvious he's in pain, he's in bad shape. And he was the one that got to come up there and stand on one leg and and swing the bat that finally broke the pinata open. And to see the joy on that kid's face was priceless. But here's what's cool. Somebody on on the team that was with us had a heart to try to get that boy some help. They They just had a gut feeling, we need to help this kid. So this person started raising the money and so on and so forth. They took this boy to a hospital in a larger city the doctor diagnosed it did the operation fixed everything but the doctor said his blood was so poisoned by infection in that leg that he probably wasn't gonna live very long so literally it saved his life well in the process of this now he's staying in a pastor's home for a few days getting well he's gonna be able to go back home live a normal life and be a message to that community so my point is money is neutral money's not evil it's not good what you do with money determines its value okay so what if we looked at money and what if we saw it from god's perspective as seed for our future you see jesus said that money can take god's place in our hearts if we're not careful jesus said you cannot love god and riches because eventually you're going to turn to one and walk away from the other So we have to find a way to keep God on the throne of our hearts and make sure money stays in its proper place. Now, with all this in mind, in my introduction, John 3, 16, one of my favorite verses, it tells us about the nature of God. For God so loved the world that he gave. One of the things that God is teaching us to do is to pick up that nature of giving And see our finances our wealth as seed for God's kingdom and seed for our own futures I'm gonna walk you through some of this today number one if you remember a few weeks ago in this series I believe it was the second week we were talking about the law of seed or the law of sowing and reaping and we went all the way back to the Garden of Eden I want to go back there and I want to mention something we talked about because it's important for us to understand money as seed. In Genesis one twenty nine, as God was creating, here's what he said. God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. I've given you that. And every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. Now, here's the point we made and and this is really important that you get this today when God created the heavens and the earth and he put man in the garden of Eden God provided for man and he gave him two things number one he gave him food to eat and he gave him food that had seed that would produce future harvests so with every harvest there was not just food and provision there was also seed for a future harvest But it became man's responsibility to cultivate and care for the seed that God had given him. Now, let me walk you through two misconceptions about this topic. And if you get this, it'll help you understand everything else I'm going to say today. Number one, there's a misconception about the earth. I want to ask you the question, whose world are we living in? Whose world are we living in? Here's what Psalms 24:1 says. Psalms 24:1 says, the earth is the Lord and all of its fullness. That means the earth, everything in the earth, everything on the earth. The psalmist said it belongs to the Lord. And he even went so far as to say, the world and those who dwell therein. Did you know you and I ultimately belong to God? We have this self-will. We do what we want to do with our lives and a lot of us live our whole lives thinking, well, I'm going to do what I want to do and God, you'll just have to accept it. But when this life is over, we all stand before God and give an account for what we've done with our lives. The earth, everything in the earth, everything on the earth, it belongs to the Lord. Now, let me take it to the second misconception. In Genesis 2, Verse 15, when God finished the garden, he put mankind, Adam and then Eve, he put them in the garden. And here's what Genesis 2, 15 says. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. God puts him in the garden. He said, here's food, here's seed for the future, tend it, manage it, cultivate it, take care of it, For its intended purpose and its intended use. Here's the second misconception. Whose stuff do we have? It's God's stuff. Okay, let me break it down to home. Whose clothes did you wear to church today? Some of you sitting at home in your pajamas. You know what? That's still God's pajamas. I don't care what labels on there you may be wearing Joe's jeans and and uh, uh, somebody else's shirt I don't care what labels on there ultimately everything I have belongs to God everything you have belongs to God just because he didn't put his name on the label doesn't mean he can't repossess it if he ever wants it back he knows how to get it back because everything is his therefore If we understand the beginning of time, what God did with Adam and Eve in the garden, and we fast forward to today, I understand that everything that I say I possess, it really belongs to God. Okay, whose car did you drive to church today? You drove God's car. Whose house are you living in? The mortgage companies, I know. (laughs) Ultimately, whose house are you living in? You're living in God's house. If he ever wants it back, he can take it back. God has blessed us with the things we need for life. But we need to understand who owns it and that we are simply managing the things that God has blessed us with. Now, I want to I begin to show you this from Scripture. And I'm going to move pretty fast today. I've got two or three passages that I'm going to have you look at. We're going to begin in Genesis 4. Genesis 4. We just talked a little bit about Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Now we're going to go fast forward just a little bit. Adam and Eve have these first two sons, Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4, I want you to look at the test that happens in their lives that still happens in our lives regularly. Genesis 4, verse 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Cain was the firstborn. He was a farmer. He brought an offering to the Lord. Now, I'll get back to this in just a moment. So look at verse number four. Abel, his brother, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, which means the very best of the flock. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering. Now, I want to pause here a minute because I want want you to see this picture. This is really the first picture we have of people giving to God. How many of you know, God doesn't need what you've got. God needs something. He can create it. He can speak the word and create it. But yet we see this picture that these two brothers are bringing an offering to God. They're bringing something to give to God. Now, there's two or three unknowns in this story. Number one, we don't know how they were told to bring. We don't know how God got the message to them. We don't know if God appeared, if the parents told them because there were young men. We don't know how this all came about. But what we do know is both of these brothers brought something to the Lord. And it might have been somewhat simultaneously, but it might not have been. Second thing, we don't know exactly what God told them to bring. But we know this. Cain brings stuff from his garden and scripture calls it an offering. An offering is something that we choose to give to God. But Abel, his brother, brought of his flocks his way of life. And it says that Abel didn't bring an offering he brought the firstborn and the best of what he had two different pictures now there's two scenarios here here's the third part of this that we don't know some say well god wanted the typology to be a lamb an animal and that's what god was asking for it might be but scripture doesn't tell us that what we do know is god looked down upon cain and what he brought and he didn't accept it he didn't honor it he didn't have respect towards what he brought but over here god respected what abel brought and and one of the questions that comes out of this is was it the heart that brought it that god was looking at we don't know for sure but i want you to notice this God did not respect this offering. God did respect this offering. And both of those boys knew it. Because I'm going to read a little further. Verse number five. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. He got angry and it was all over his face. He was furious. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Now now pause here a moment. So God says to him, why are you upset? Why is your countenance fallen? Now, there are some Bible theologians, Bible uh, teachers who believe that as we see in other parts of the Old Testament, that what might have happened is they brought the offerings, they stood back, and they waited, and God sent fire from heaven and consumed this offering, but did not consume that offering. Now, we don't know that for a fact, but some believe that. I don't know that. But here's the point. Someway, somehow, Cain and Abel knew God did not receive this, but God did receive that. And Cain got furious. And God says to him, why are you angry? You know what that tells me? That tells me that Cain knew when he brought the offering, it was not what God was asking It was not what God required of him. Now, we'll get to why here in a moment. But verse 7, God says this, Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Cain, if you'll go get And bring what I asked you to bring the way I asked you to bring it. I'll receive it. But if not, there's evil in your heart and this whole thing is going to be sitting at your doorstep and it's going to eat you alive and ruin you. How many are with me so far? It's an intriguing story. Now, let me me get to this. In essence, what happened here, if you follow the story, Cain and Abel later on went out in the field. Cain never did do what he was supposed to do. They're out in the field, they started talking about it. Cain got furious and he killed his brother because of what happened right there. Because God rejected what he brought, he got angry and killed his brother because his brother had given what he was supposed to give. Here it is. What Cain did he came to God and said, I'll give you what I want to give you and you'll be happy with it. God said, no, I won't. I won't bless it. I won't receive it. It's not what I asked for. What are we talking about here? Old Testament, anytime you see offerings in Old Testament, usually involves animals which come from a flock. They're supposed to be the first The best with no spots, no blemish, no flaws. And just like in today's world, it was the same then. If you go buy a young calf, it costs a lot of money. You buy a young lamb, it costs a lot of money. You buy that animal for a sacrifice, it's expensive. But there's this connection in the Old Testament that when people worshiped God, and this is Old Testament worship, When people worshipped God, they brought something that was valuable and was expensive. They gave it to God. They would usually, the priest would slit his throat, drain the blood away, throw it on the altar, and then they would burn the sacrifice. And in some of the offerings of the Old Testament, many times when you see offerings happening, there's no benefit for the person bringing that because they give up something that's valuable and it just gets burned to ashes because it's offered to God. And it's God saying, you know what? This is Old Testament worship. The psalmist understood this. David got it. Remember the story of David when he had sinned and he went to offer an offering to God and this guy comes and says, hey man, take my threshing floor. You can have it. Burn it to the ground. Build your altar there. I'll give you animals for the sacrifice. It won't cost you nothing. David said, no, I can't do that because I can't offer something to God that costs me nothing. And yet, We live in a world today that so quickly is shifting its religious attitude to God. I'll give you what you want, what I want to give you, and you'll like it or else you'll get nothing from me. And the problem is, we don't address God on our terms. We address God on his terms. Come on, everybody give me a bobblehead this morning. This is good. I know it's it's getting in the kitchen again today. This is where we live. And see, what happened was, evidently, Cain had this problem. I don't want to spend my money on that. I don't want to give that. This is easy for me to do. I'll give you this. So you can have this. And God said, I can't accept that. God said, Cain, you're on trial. Now, I'm, I'm stuck here for a few minutes because I'm to have to move fast. But let me say this. Everybody smile at me. Come on, come on. Every time I get a paycheck, I go on trial. What am I going to do with that? The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. God gave me the fruit. God gave me the blessing. God gave me seed for the future. I get paid. I can do what Cain did or I can do what God asked me to do. What am I, what am I going to do? You see, what was God trying to accomplish here? When he had them bring sacrifices all throughout the Old Testament, when God asked for sacrifice, what was he trying to accomplish? Well, first of all, he was trying to establish honor, respect, and appreciation for his goodness. God saying, if you bring me a part of what I've given to you, it becomes honor and respect to me. It establishes an appreciation in your heart. second thing it does when we bring to god from what he's blessed us with we recognize that god is the source of every good and perfect gift you know i told you earlier you're wearing god's clothes you're driving his car you're living in his house but you know what we need to thank god and appreciate him for all the good things he's blessed us with and our giving does that it declares god is my source Some of us think the job is the source. The boss is the source. The company is the source. The paycheck's the source. No, that's just an avenue through which it comes. God is our source. And our giving establishes that in our lives. This is good. It also establishes God's lordship over my money and my life. It also establishes a principle of faith in me where I trust God. For the next harvest because I've put seed in the ground off of that you see wealth desires to consume us wealth wants to become God in our lives but honoring God with our wealth with our money it keeps God in his rightful place and it keeps wealth in its rightful place now let me let me say this because it needs to be said God doesn't care how much wealth you have God's just concerned that your wealth doesn't have you. So you may be in the building today, you may you have millions of dollars. Wonderful. Wonderful. Honor God with what he's given you. You may be in the building today and you're down to your last penny. Honor God with what he's given you. That's what God asks of us and then from from this moving forward in the old testament you see this principle come out and and this is a dirty word for a lot of people but i'm going to use it anyway it's not a four-letter word it's five-letter word okay Uh, some people think it's a four-letter word scripture goes on and you see this concept developed that bible calls tithe means a tenth and people say well okay but that's just old testament law was applied to israel and so forth you know, I understand what you're saying, but let me back up. People were tithing before the law was ever given in the Old Testament. Jesus said, this you should have done and not left hard issues undone. I'll, get, I'll touch on that more a little bit later. Basically, that law was established. It was put in place so that the first part of every harvest, we would recognize God and reverence him and honor him for blessing us. We recognize him as our source. And then it also, in the Jewish Old Testament covenant and new covenant as well, it provides the provision for God's house and for the ministry of the church. It's God's plan. Now, I want to move forward. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. And I'm going to go really fast the next few minutes. Proverbs chapter 3. In Proverbs 3, we find those famous words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Man, I love those words. Those are words that feed me. I live by those words. But you read down a little further and you get to verse 9 and here's what Solomon said. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits literally means the first part of all of your increase. What you produce in life. When a harvest comes and my work produces something, Solomon said, take the first part to God. Honor him, recognize him first. And then verse 10, he says this, if you do that, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. What is he saying? This is not some crazy off the wall thing that that the pastors made up. He's saying, if I take every harvest and I take the first part and I give it back to God as seed, it's planting seed for the next harvest and the next harvest and the next harvest. And I develop this lifestyle of recognizing God is my source and when I put the seed in the ground, God will bless it. God will bless it. So how should I I honor God When he blesses me with the first part of the harvest. Recognize him first. And what happens if I honor God with my wealth? I'm not going to have you turn there. You can look at it later yourself. Malachi chapter 3. God was talking to Israel about it because they were ignoring the law. And Here's what God said. He said, man, you're, you're robbing me. You're robbing me of the opportunity to bless you. You're robbing me of an opportunity to cause those seeds to grow because you're not bringing seed back to me. And here's what he goes on to say. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me in this. God says, I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour out on your life until you have more than enough. And what happens when we have more than enough? we have extra to plant into other people's lives into other things and be a blessing to other people which is the purpose of the old covenant it's a purpose of the new covenant for god to bless us that we can become a blessing but see most of us live life saying god god bless me bless me bless me and god says be a blessing be a blessing be a blessing god send me a harvest and god says plant a seed heard a story years ago about a guy He'd been praying for months, God begging, God, please, God, help me. I'm in such a bad financial shape. God, help me. Can you help me win the lottery? And he just keeps praying, God, help me win the lottery. And one day God spoke to him and said, son, do me a favor and buy a ticket. (laughs) Oh, God, bless my life. And I think sometimes God's saying the laws are all there. It's there in nature physically and spiritually, I bless all seed that's planted, but you got to give me something to work with. Oh, this is good. This is good. Man, somebody needs to send a copy of this message to Joel Osteen. He'd like this. (coughs) I'm kidding. I'm just having a little fun here today. Okay. You see, God doesn't need my money. Did you know that? God doesn't need my money. God needs something. He creates it. But if I don't sow seed, I rob him of the honor he deserves and I rob him of the opportunity of blessing the seed for my future. God wants to bless us. Man, I hope I can get this across. God is a good God. He wants to bless us, but he wants us to live by the principles of his word, principles of faith. And the one area that many of us struggle with is money. I've been in the ministry 46 and a half years. From the time I first went into the ministry up until this past week, when I talk to people in groups and I ask, what are you dealing with? What are the challenges of life? Money always comes up. See, Jesus said, don't worry about the basic necessities of life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. When he said first, he was talking to Israelites. He was talking to the Jewish nation. They knew the law. And when he said, seek first the kingdom of God, they understood. He was saying, seek God first with what you have and let him bless that seed back into your life and you'll always have what you need. It's good preaching. Some of you are processing it. Now, one more passage of scripture, 2 Corinthians 9. I love these verses. And let me set this up. When you get to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, those two chapters, for the most part in those two chapters, Paul is talking about the fact that there was a church and a group of people who were in desperate need of help. And this church there at Corinth had agreed to give, take an offering to give to help these people this other church who were in desperate need. Even though they were in a tough situation, this other church was in a worse situation. So chapters 8 and 9, Paul's talking about giving this offering to God. And he begins to address this topic of giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. I'm going to have the verse on the screen. Now may he, speaking of God, capital H, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now stop here just a moment. Leave the verse up here. When God sends financial blessing into my life, there's two things. There's provision for my life, food, clothing, shelter. But there's also seed to be planted. What does God bless? God blesses the seed that gets planted. Now you're thinking with me. I'm gonna come back and hammer this home in a moment, but think about it. Verse 11, he says, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which is causes thanksgiving through us to God. Did you know every time I give back to God and give back to his work, people get blessed because of it? You, don't, you may not see this. Sunday mornings between services, I always go look out the window and I see a long stream of cars pulling into this parking lot, people driving through community care, getting food because they have a lack, they have a need. Your giving is blessing people. We talk about the things we do in our community. We do this to bless people. We talk about what we do overseas in Africa and other nations. We do this to bless people because God blesses us to be a blessing. But every time I give, it's causing thanksgiving to God somewhere else because the seed is planted to touch people's lives. But the challenge is every time I get my paycheck, I have to be honest with myself and honest with God and say, which part of this is seed to be sown back and which part of this is for me to use for other purposes? That's good. Amen. Makes you think about that paycheck. Now, I know most of you, are on, you're on direct deposit, so you just see the numbers. You don't ever handle green anymore. You just pass around the card and so forth, and it's all online. I get that, but you, you still are checking the balance. And what you have there is God's blessing. What are we doing with what God's given us? You see, I can mismanage my income and what happens is I end up eating my seed. That's why God says, honor me first and then manage the rest of it. Honor me first and then manage the rest of it. It keeps me from eating my seed and my seed is what produces my future. Every farmer knows this. All you farmers should know this. Problem is, we're not farmer-minded. We don't live in that society. And so we miss the point. What if I see my paycheck, my money, the things that I'm blessed with, that I call mine, what if I see it as seed? Now, in the same chapter, 2 Corinthians 9, we just read verses 10 and 11. Now, I want to go back up to verses 6, 7, and 8 because I want to show you what sets this up. Paul said, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now pause here a moment. If I'm a farmer and I plant five kernels of corn, best case scenario, how many stalks of corn am I going to get back? Five. Each stock may have an undetermined number of ears with more kernels seed for the future. What if I plant 50 kernels of corn? What's my potential harvest? 50 stalks. What if I plant 500? See, Paul uses a natural an- analogy, and he says the way I sow determines the way that I reap. See, that's why, this is so simple, I, I hate to say it, This is why those of us who've been blessed with more need to be giving those who are blessed with less. That's why God set it up on a percentage basis. That's why the Old Testament, God said, you bring to me, everybody bring me 10%. How many want want the wealthy to pay their fair share? You hear that in society all the time. Wealthy need to pay their fair share. God says, bring me 10%. Now, I know I'm, I'm getting to the end of this, so everybody stay with me, I'm almost done today. Verse 7, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God says, you need to make this a matter of the heart so you can give cheerfully. You don't need to do it out of anger. I got to do this because the pastor's telling me to. Well, people are watching me. No, they're not. We don't even pass the buckets anymore because people are afraid of the germs. So we don't do that. (laughs) Most of us give online or other ways anyway. But you get my point. Don't give grudgingly or of necessity. Don't give because you feel like you have to. I don't want to have to do this. Because God loves cheerful givers. God loves people who understand. My money becomes seed for my future. Then I love verse 8. God is able... To make all grace abound toward you. How many of you want all of God's grace in every area of your life? See, Paul says God's able to make all grace abound to you in all areas of life. But notice, notice the context. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. He said God wants to bless every area of our life so we'll be able to turn around and be a blessing to other people in those same areas of life. God wants to bless us. But here's the thing. I determine what I sow. I determine when I sow. I determine where I sow. I determine why I sow. And I determine... How I sow. Paul said, if you stingy with your seed, it shows up at harvest time. If you're generous with your seed, it shows up in harvest time. Now, I'm not talking about some goofy thing. If you put 100 in the offering today, God will make you a millionaire next month. You know, don't. If, that, if you see that guy on TV, do not send him any money. He's playing games with you, okay? That's not the principle here. We're talking about a lifestyle of being blessed by God and sowing out of what he's blessed us with. But you see, I also determine if I do not sow. And if I do not sow, I have no basis for faith and expectation of another harvest coming back into my life. See, that's why some of us go through life thinking, well, I, I wish God would do something to bless me. God, if you just bless me, I'd help people. God, if you'd do this. God, if you'd give me a million dollars... Uh, I'd give a hundred away. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. And we're always trying to figure out, how can I, 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 I? And God's like, you know what? You're missing the point. Remember years ago, I'm almost out of time, but I've got just enough time to tell this story. Years ago, Joel Holm was here preaching for us. And he told the story about how one day he was living in Chicago. He's driving to the airport to go overseas. And he's he's driving down the road. He sees on the bulletin board, big sign, all lit up in letters. It says, uh, the lotto, mega, mega, uh, whatever it is, is up to $120 million. And he thought, wow, $120 million. Can you imagine what I could do with $120 million? He said, first of all, I'd give God at least a million one one-twentieth of it and that and that kind of describes describes our human nature because you see a lot of us are praying that prayer god help me win the lotto help me win the lotto and the reason we won the, want to win the lotto is because we want enough money that we don't have to trust trust god the rest of our lives and god's probably not going to answer that prayer because he wants us to be in a place where we're sowing seed and trusting him for the future it's god's plan for our lives now, I'm almost done, so stay with me. In this same passage, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, in, in chapter 8, Paul's talking about receiving this offering and giving to this church. And I'm going I'm to use this, my own words to say this, but what Paul said was, so many people are hung up on this law. you got to give, you got to give, you got to give. And he said, I want you to move out of this mindset of law to the mindset of grace that says, God's blessed me. And I have an opportunity to give see sometimes we need to adjust our lifestyles a little bit so we can honor god first and i i know i know there's a lot of people who say well i just believe that's old testament law like i told you it happened before the law jesus addressed it paul said on the first day of the week bring something as god has blessed you you can interpret however you want to and to be quite honest It doesn't affect me in any way what you decide to do, but it does affect your future. See, somebody said, well, you know, you you preachers, it's just manipulating people. There's a reason why we took the offering in the middle of service today, because I don't want anybody saying, I'm trying to manipulate anybody. I'm not. It's your harvest. You determine what you do with your seed. It's good preaching, Pastor Gary. You know why I share this? I share this. I'm a pastor. I care about people. I want to see you be blessed. But we need to learn to honor God. You know, learning learning the grace of giving changed my life. I wish I had 20 minutes to tell you stories of things I've seen God do in my own life. Because of sowing and reaping. God's faithful to his word. It's not fairy tales. It's not games. There's the natural law of sowing and reaping. There's a spiritual law of sowing and reaping. We can close our hearts and close our hands and we fight for money every day of our life and all we do is become stingy and hard. Or we can open our hands and open our hearts and watch God be bigger than we ever imagined, ever, ever. In closing today, the question is, am I honoring God? With the financial blessings he places in my life. Like Cain and Abel, it's an issue of the heart. Today I wanna to pray for you. I wanna pray for you. And I'm just gonna pray that God will take this and put it in your heart the way you need to understand this message. So I'm gonna ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes, right there where you are. We'll be finished in a couple of minutes. Father, I pray for these precious people. These are sheep that you've put under our care. God, we teach all of your word because it's truth. And God, I pray that we can begin to see our money and our finances as seed. We can understand the nature of God and the grace of giving that we'll get beyond the law and the rules of giving and we'll come to a place where we become hilarious, happy, cheerful givers. God, I pray you'd use your word to adjust our hearts today, to see what you see, and to trust your word. God, speak to every one of us individually. Show us what our next step is in sowing our finances as seed. God, I'll thank you for what you do. While heads are bowed for just a moment, for some people sitting in the room today, This may be the first time in your life you've ever heard a minister tell you God's concerned about your finances. He is. He's concerned about every area of your life. He wants to bless every area of your life. Maybe you've listened to this today and maybe you're watching online or you listen to the podcast later or maybe you're in the house. Maybe you've listened to this and you've realized, man, God really does care. He has laws for his kingdom that he wants to bless. Absolutely. Maybe you'd say, I've never... I've never really trusted God completely. I've never committed all my life to him. I've never accepted Christ as my savior and asked him to become the Lord of my life. But I believe God is knocking on the door of my heart and I want to respond to him. Friend, the way we respond to God is by opening our hearts then opening our mouths and say, God, this is what's in my heart. We call upon the name of the Lord, we'll be saved, scripture tells us. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that will help you open your heart and just open the communication with God and let God begin to work in your life. Maybe you're realizing today, I want God in my life and I need Jesus to be my Savior. This starts, starts that work, starts this whole process of having God become Lord of your life. So I want to lead you in this prayer and I'm going to ask you to wrap your heart, wrap your faith around these words. Let my words be your words. Everybody in the house watching online, pray this out loud. Say, God, I need you. In every area of my life, I need you. I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. What he did on the cross, full payment for my sin. And I choose Jesus. To become the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to follow you. From this day forward. God you are my father. I'll be your child. Show me the way. I will follow you. In Jesus name I ask this. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer i believe it's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life but it needs to come from the heart but it's not the end of the journey you've accepted christ as your savior today it's just the beginning of the journey and we want to help you in this journey we've got a little booklet simple tool called the next seven days i want to give it to you today it'll help you get started building relationship with god it's just got simple reading for the next seven days To help you understand how much God loves you And how much he wants to be involved in your life I want to give it to you, no strings attached Here's how you get it, when service is over There'll be prayer teams on that wall And on that wall right down at the front of the building They're here to pray with anyone for any need If you just walk up to one of those team members And say can I get the booklet They'll give it to you right there, no strings attached If you've got questions, if you want prayer for something else They'll help you, if you just want to get it and go That's fine, we want to put this in your hand It'll be a blessing to you If you're in a really big rush or you're bashful like me, out in the lobby, when you leave that center set of doors right there, there's a counter set up in those glass doors. You can stop by there. There's a big screen there. You'll see it. Next seven days, you can get the same booklet right there. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Please get one of these before you leave today. If you're watching online, your instructions on your screen as to how you can get electronic copy. We want this to be a blessing to you. And I want to tell you, if you prayed that prayer today and you wrapped your heart around that prayer, you are just as much a child of God as you will ever be. Now the journey begins learning God and his ways. We want to welcome you to God's family. Can we put our hands together and welcome new members today into God's family? Now in closing today, two things just before we walk out the doors. We always give at the end of services. I had you give earlier today, so nobody thinks I'm trying to manipulate you. Okay? Very simple. Whenever I teach on giving, I always do it this way. Here's the second part. Next week, we've got a special day set aside. You know, October 31st, there'll be all kinds of crazy things happening all over town. Some are fun. Some are this, some are that. We wanted to do something fun for our church that day with Sunday Fun Day. So next Sunday, we have one service at 10 o'clock. So some of you will have to get up early. I know it'll be a struggle, but 10 o'clock, okay? Next Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, we're gonna have one service. The youth will be in here with us. When service is over, we're gonna be doing water baptisms. Then we're gonna have food trucks out in the parking lot, jump houses and some things for the kids. Gonna have a chance to just hang out and visit. And I look forward to this time because there are a lot of you that I don't really know I haven't ever had a chance to visit with you. It'll give me a chance as I just circulate among the people getting food all over my shirt like you. It'll give us a chance to just say hi and get acquainted. So please, make plans to be here next Sunday and hang out a while. Bring the kids, the teenagers. There'll be a lot of fun stuff going on. It's going to be a great, great day. So today, as you get ready to go, God bless you. We love you. Have a great, great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.